Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, also known as the Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you do enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at only $18 a year. For more information, you can find us at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And the uh, this here podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for The Observer's Notebook. And we're also on YouTube. Just search for Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. We have videos coming every single month. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. And now, episode 101 with Executive Director of the ALPO and Venus Section Recorder, Julius Benton. Hope you enjoy it. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. We have a repeat visitor to the podcast, Julius Benton, the executive director of the AOPL. Welcome back, Julius. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, I handle the, uh, I'm the coordinator for the uh, Saturn and Venus sections. In this particular podcast, we're talking about Venus. So I've been doing that for, gosh, heck of a long time. I started back in 2000. I mean, uh, in uh, it's been, what? 40 something years almost doing it. 1971 is when I took on the job. So it's, wow. It's been a pleasure. A lot of enjoyable uh, meeting a lot of people and enjoying receiving observations and getting into the pro-am stuff with a lot of folks. So you were what, 12 years old when you took it over? (laughs) No, no, it makes me feel like it sometimes. It's been a long time. I know. I think about how long I've been running the training program. I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) it's a long time. Yeah, it is. Why don't we? Why don't you give everybody a little overview of what the Venus section is? All right, the Venus section. We've got a good group of observers. Uh, we've got uh, about seventy observers overall. Uh, they don't always contribute every apparition, but um, 
we have a lot of visual observers and more and more people are getting into imaging now <clears throat> and doing whole sorts of all sorts of uh, wavelength uh, imaging uh, ultraviolet observations uh, and imaging um, but we have a lot of visual observers doing drawings of Venus and uh, documenting the features they were able to see with different uh, filters and that sort of thing and we're getting a lot of success through that as well. A lot of visual observers as well as uh, observers doing imaging and some a combination of both. <clears throat> now, are, are there, do you have su suggested equipment, types of telescopes to use, that type of thing? We don't, in, we don't set an inflexible minimum, but uh, most people who start participating in the Venus section uh, start out with uh, actually refractors uh, of, of about uh, three inch four inch you don't have to have a huge aperture uh, to do that but um, it's a good beginning point but the larger and larger telescopes now are being used uh, refractors as well as smith cast and max Sutoffs and newtonians of course the typical types of telescopes that are available to observers okay now most beginning astronomers yeah. i'm sure have pointed their telescope at venus and they'll see a crescent or some phase angle of the of the uh of the planet, but they don't see anything else. I mean, what, what, what can you see when looking at Venus through a telescope? Well, it's pretty challenging. It takes a lot of perseverance and um, patience to be able to eke out the uh, fine details in the atmosphere of Venus. Uh, a lot of things help with that. Variable density polarizers, uh, blue filters, uh, uh, Color filters in general help uh, enhance some of the visibility of features in the clouds of Venus. Uh, we recommend that everybody has a good uh, supply of color filters to alternate using different color filters to make sure that they can see what they can see by doing that. And um, those people who are using typically blue filters, uh, like a WADA, which is a blue filter, light blue, a W47, which is a violet filter, uh, those are the main ones that people are able to see uh, cloud features on Venus visually. Uh, and they fall into different categories. Uh, amorphous dusky markings on Venus uh, is one category. Irregular dusky markings, uh, and they represent those on drawings. Uh, they're the banded uh, dusky markings or du dusky streaks on in the atmosphere of Venus. And, of course, uh, there's some bright spots that are... Uh, 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 seen on Venus as well with different filters. And you, most observers who do drawing of the planet just have to uh, be patient with it and just uh, sketch what they see and try to pick the best seeing conditions uh, and use a suitable telescope that will bring out uh, as much of the detail as possible. The larger the aperture, the better, but still, uh, we don't set an inflexible minimum as far as the uh, starting telescope. Yeah, Venus, most people that are listening probably understand that Venus is the third brightest object in the sky uh, behind the sun and the moon. It is. Absolutely. And so and, you, and that's, I like that you highlighted filters because I was going to talk about too, because those filters, they really knock down the light coming in. And that's what you need to do to see any detail on the planet. Yeah, the variable density polarizer really mm -hmm. helps. We don't recommend neutral density filters, but, uh, People using uh, the uh, variable density polarizer helps uh, cut out some of the uh, irradiation and the uh, stray light, but uh, it just takes getting used to. But once someone gets experience observing Venus and 
starting to see some of the details. You have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. But once people start seeing the uh, features and keep and continue to draw them, it kind of trains the eye to pick out fine, uh, subtle uh, changes in uh, appearance of the atmosphere of Venus. That's it's true. It's impenetrable, I, uh, invisible light, of course, but it's the way it is. Yeah, I, I've mostly used the forty-seven filter when I look at Venus because that to me knocks it down the most, and and it really there you can see the variations. I for me, I can see the variations in the clouds using that filter. And the nice thing is, yeah, most beginners, to, most beginners come back to me and say later that uh, they have been able to see more with a, a, a variety of color filters. Mm-hmm. Uh, some use uh, green filters, some use uh, red filters, but most most of the success is going to be with the light blue and the medium blue filters, like the W thirty eight or the W eighty eight, and then of course the W forty seven, which is a little tricky with smaller apertures because it's a fairly dense filter. Right. It's dark. Yeah, it's really dark. And the, But the nice thing is about these filters that we talk about, they're cheap. I mean, I yes. think it's 15 20 bucks a filter. When you're spending $300 for an eyepiece, you know, you know, a, a, a handful of color filters that you'd spend less than $100 on is a great investment for planetary observing. Well, a lot of people are starting to use these uh, filter mounts that has like ah. a sliding uh, bar that has True. filters lined up on it. And they can go from filter to filter by sliding the bar in the, under the uh, within the eyepiece, and it really, really helps a lot because I've started using that more and more myself for visual work, and a lot of observers are starting to do that as well. It's yeah, not an expensive accessory, but it really works out well. Yeah, otherwise you got to pull the eyepiece out, unscrew the back of it, put the new filter in, put it back in. That's true. Yeah, right. Or drop it in the in the grass if you're observing. Oh. Too. That's uh-huh. tricky. That's that. Yeah, been there, done that. So what are we seeing on Venus right now? We're recording this mid-July 2020. Um, and what are we seeing right now? Venus is in the morning sky. What, 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 do you, yes. what type of observations are we getting? Okay, Venus uh, was its inferior conjunction uh, on June the 3rd. And, of course, that ended the previous evening apparition. But Venus is visible in the morning sky uh, before sunup. And um, it's fairly easy to spot. Uh, right now, it's about al- almost fourth magnitude. I mean, a, f- a magnitude of minus 4.6. Right. And um, it's, reading, it's reaching greatest brilliancy, uh, well, actually, tomorrow. Hmm. And uh, the uh, angular diameter of Venus is 37.6 arc seconds right now. Uh, and then, of course, it's go- what we're doing right now is that Venus is going from a crescent phase to a gibbous and then a fully illuminated phase as the apparition progresses towards superior conjunction that's going to occur on in march of 2021 so we've got a good long observing uh run that uh, is going to allow observers to follow venus for a while if they don't mind getting up early in the morning and really it's actually a pretty good opportunity to follow venus into the daylight Mm -hmm. that way some of the glare from the uh the brightness of the planet doesn't interfere with uh, contrast. Yeah, we currently have Comet Neowise in the morning sky, and I've been getting up to look at that, and I'll get up early enough to where I could swing the telescope over and take a look at Venus, too, because it's sitting right there. It's, right. It's a good time of year for, to be up in the morning. Yeah, the crescent is starting to uh, fill in a bit now, and it's got, the gibbous phases are progressing, and then uh, the theoretical half phase which is called dichotomy will occur uh around the 12th of august that's the predicted when the 
Venus looks like the first quarter moon, okay, a little bit, mm-hmm. like a half half phase when it's 50% uh, illuminated. And uh, then as it progresses, the greatest elongation west will be the farthest distance of about 46 degrees angular distance from the sun uh, on August the 13th. Okay. All right. And it's all this for this apparition right now we're looking at it's in the morning sky. Yes. Okay. Um, are you receiving observations currently from people? Yes. And actually I've received up like almost 40 observations within the last uh, week and a half. Uh, that's given us an opportunity to start drawings have started coming in. We've got several uh, UV uh, images that people have submitted and they're starting to see some of the V type markings that are visible in the ultraviolet uh, images that uh, are characteristic of the atmosphere of Venus at ultraviolet wavelengths. Uh, It's pretty fascinating stuff. A lot of the observations that we're getting in uh, both visual and uh, by imaging techniques are really starting to grow in number. That's great. Now, are you expecting, what are you expecting throughout the year, how Venus will change and also what, what we can see in the clouds? Okay. As the, uh, the planet continues to change from its crescent to the uh, gibbous and full phase, of course, the, the, the diameter of the, uh, the angular diameter of the disk of Venus is going to shrink mm-hmm. uh, by the time it reaches uh, or just before superior conjunction uh, in March, it'll be down to about 10 arc seconds. So uh, the, the, the angular size of the disk of Venus is going to shrink as we go forward in the apparition. But um, one of the interesting things is, is that by following it from the crescent phases into the fuller phase, uh, to the full phase, uh, you see a lot of opportunity to image Venus and pick up some of the markings uh, as you, larger telescopes are going to be, a, be able to do a lot more with the atmosphere of Venus, of course, with the filter techniques. Okay, so you're looking for uh, images, digital images, and uh, visual observations, drawings. Yes, drawings. Uh, people who uh, take are patient enough to use the observing forms, which are available on our website for download. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not difficult to draw Venus. It just basically takes patience and sitting at the telescope and sketching what you're able to see. And right. uh, just to indicate, uh, that there are several scales that we use for conspicuousness of the uh, features on Venus, the cloud features, that is, from like zero to five, five being the most obvious uh, certain uh, no- notation that you feel the features are certain that you're seeing. Okay. But the good thing about the uh, visual observations, if people are observing at about the same time on the same date, that's a simultaneous observations, which gives us confirmation of what people are seeing, which is really pretty good to compare observations. That's pretty good. And you're probably pretty lucky right now that there's a comet in the sky in the morning too. So people are up anyway. And like I'm doing right now, I'm looking at Venus while I'm waiting for the comet to rise above the horizon. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat object this year. It's pretty fascinating. It's about yeah. time we had a brighter comet. It is, isn't it? It is. So you mentioned the observing forums. I, I will add a link to that on the um, on, on the show notes for this podcast. Now, the European Space Agency has contacted the the ALPO for some help, haven't they? Yes, we've been fought, uh, the previous pro am uh, effort that we had was the Venus Express mission called the Vex mission that uh, ran from 2006 until the mission ended in 2015. And so we had a lot of pro-am efforts going in and going forward with that. 
But now we were notified by uh, the uh, professional community that uh, there is an opportunity uh, with the professional telescope uh, program that's being operated by the Europlanet Tele- Telescope Network. And we posted that on our website, by the way, so people can look at mm-hmm. what they're asking people to do. And um, this gives an opportunity for people to access telescopes and participate in the scientific studies of the solar system via that network. And there are links on the uh, web page, uh, on the uh, Venus page uh, on the website that uh, it's already been posted as an alert or a call for observations. Right. And so with the uh, mission to Mercury, the VEXA, mm-hmm. Jackson mission to Mercury is going to fly past Venus in late August on its in route to Mercury. So there'll be a close bypass and they'll be able to do some uh, observations of Venus with the spacecraft. And also they're asking for observers to image Venus uh, during this time period, right on throughout through uh, the rest of August, especially into late August. Okay. So we have a simultaneous observing program tied in with the pro-am effort. Okay. That's all explained, by the way, by the links that are on the uh, on the website. So observers right. are encouraged to uh, sign up for that participation, and we request that all observers that are making uh, observations, as well as drawings and imaging, to uh, send those to the Venus section as well to myself, and we will tie those in with the professional community and make sure that we've got good cooperation. Okay, so you will forward those on. Yes, that, that can also occur that way, but there's also uh, this ec- an explanation on the call for observations of where to send the actual images okay. themselves. All right. All right. Great. Yeah, if they're sending them to, to them, we also want you to get them too, though, for our section. Right. We just want to make sure that we coordinate that as best we can to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. And we're available to a- answer questions. I'll be happy to guide anyone who needs further uh, instruction on what to do. And we're happy to do that. We've had really successful missions with the uh, the ongoing uh, Akatsuki mission by Japan, mm-hmm. and that's still ongoing. And uh, we're continuing to work that program as best we can throughout this current uh, apparition of Venus. Yeah, the professional and amateur collaboration with the ALPO has always been, I think, one of the highlights. It's the pro- the professionals, they know we're serious when we're looking at the, the moon and planets, and they come to us to help them out in yes. situations like this. We don't have to ask them. They've solicited yeah. yep. observational work from us, and that really makes everyone feel uh, important enough to uh, make a contribution. That's the main thing. Yeah, The yeah. Pro-Am uh, efforts have been very successful. And by the way, I'll mention that uh, I didn't mention it earlier, that th- those who want to know more about observing Venus, um, the, uh, the Venus Handbook is also posted on the website, and okay. it's free for download in PDF format. Oh, great. I, I will look for that and all that, that as well. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, it goes into detail. And anyone who would like to, uh, uh, I, I could actually email uh, anyone who's interested a PDF copy of that as well. There's no cost for it. Great. It's the same as uh, the situation with the uh, drawing forms. Okay. Um, and all of your observations are published in the journal? Yes. We're, okay. we're, we're doing an apparition report soon on the previous evening uh, apparition, okay. which we're working on right now. Uh, that should be published probably in a, in a, in a few months. 
But uh, of course, the one that's currently going on will be published later on once we get all the observations and the results from the cooperation with the uh, with the uh, ProM effort. Okay. Do you have a separate <laughs> newsletter or something for Venus observers? I know sections of the uh, lunar section have that. I was wondering, do you have anything like that for the Venus? No, we don't. We okay. post all the information in terms of alerts and that sort of thing on the website. Okay. And then there is a periodic update that goes into the journal about the ongoings of the Venus sections, the same as we do for Saturn okay. and the other planets. And observers can get an idea of what's going on in the updates in each journal that comes out. Okay. Sounds good. Do you have anything else you'd like to add about the Venus section or anything else going on? Uh, just the main thing is that people that uh, are getting up to observe the comet, observe Venus. You know, <laughs> that, we need more observations. The more, the better. Yep. And if people would just be patient trying to view Venus and don't give up because it just takes a little bit of uh, training of the eye and make sure that uh, any questions that come forth, share it with us and we'll be glad to help them out. That sounds good. Well, Julius, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, I look forward to it again. And um, I wish all the observers the best seeing conditions possible. And uh, all those guys that are sheltering at home now, get out and observe. <laughs> Man, that's, that's social distancing. Astronomers yes. invented it. <laughs> that's right. All right, Julius. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Take care. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again, want to thank Julius Benton to come on and speaking to us about the Venus section. Get out there in the morning and take a look at that very bright planet. It's pretty amazing. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I do appreciate it. You can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month where you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer for their continued generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening, and stay healthy. <laughs>